Good morning, my friend. Dr. Lee Warren here with you. I hope you're doing well. I'm excited today. You know why I'm excited? I'm excited because it's Mind Change Monday, and I'm getting ready to change your mind about something. My friend Drew Dick has written another incredible book. We had Drew on the show a few months ago. He's an acquiring editor for Moody Publishers and a writer. Works for, also uh, does some writing for Christianity Today. And Drew has uh, written three books before, Generation X Christian, Yawning at Tigers, and Your Future Self Will Thank You. And Drew and I had a conversation on the podcast to talk about Your Future Self Will Thank You a few months ago. And we also talked about Yawning at Tigers. And that book actually is one of my favorite books about who God is. Drew just really did a wonderful job of giving us this perspective of the awe and majesty of our God and how that understanding and putting God in his proper place can help us navigate culture and kind of hold on when life seems hard. And his book about self-control, he actually got into neuroscience, and I thought he did a great job handling the science, and your future self will thank you. Drew's witty and intelligent and just just a brilliant guy, and I love talking to him. We had a good conversation, and I'm just going to tell you today, his new book, Just Show Up, How Small Acts of Faithfulness Change Everything, A Guide for Exhausted Christians. This book changed my mind about something. He actually, as I was reading it, Drew put some language around something I've been trying to put my finger on for a long time about myself, and he helped your friend, Dr. Lee Warren, change his mind. So I think it's going to help you change your mind, too, on Mind Change Monday. You know, we have this thought, if somebody puts one more thing on my shoulders, that's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm working too hard. All of us sort of feel those sorts of things right now. We we look at self-help books that tell us that we're brilliant and awesome and powerful. All these words on the covers of these books telling us things that we read and wonder if we really measure up. We look at social media and we see other people that seem to have it all together and we wonder why I'm struggling to make progress. But Christians are called to live a life that glorifies God and blesses others. But how do we do it when we seem to be stretched to capacity all the time? Well, Drew has answered that question and just show up. He's got a liberating, mind-changing message for us. And the the message in a nutshell is God doesn't expect you to do everything, friend. And he certainly doesn't expect you to do it all overnight. Just show up. Sometimes that is the most important thing. Drew says, we tend to think it's the big, bold moments that matter, but in reality, it's the steady accumulation of small acts of obedience to God that add up to a life of meaning and impact. It's Thanksgiving week, and I am thankful that Drew has this book, has given us this book as a gift to help us change our minds about something that seems to be on all of our minds lately. Why don't I feel like I measure up? Drew's helping us change our mind about that. The book, Just Show Up, it's amazing. It's available everywhere books are sold. And Drew's going to help us change our mind about calling and purpose and the power of just showing up. But before he does that, I just have one question for you. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. Are you ready to change your life? Well, this is the place, Self-Brain Surgery School. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and this is where we go deep into how we're wired, take control of our thinking, and find real hope. This is where we learn to become healthier, feel better, and be happier. This is where we leave the past behind and transform our minds. This is where we start today. Are you ready? This is your podcast. This is your place. This is your time, my friend. Let's get after it.
Ingram. We're back, and I'm so excited to have our friend Drew Dick back with us again today to talk about his new book, Just Show Up. Drew, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank you. That's right. And this is my second appearance. I feel like an old-timer on the show. Grateful to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Awesome. Well, we're going to do a little self-brain surgery around learning the importance of just showing up. I've got a copy of your book that you so graciously sent me, in, and you did knocked it out of the park, man. You did another great job with this book. Thank you for writing it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it was a slog. You know how writing is. It's <laughs> it's not easy. Um, it's not. And yet, yeah, you, you stick it but out, and eventually it. there's there's a book. And before we get into this really incredible conversation, why don't you get us started with the word of prayer, Drew? Would love to. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to have another conversation with my my friend Lee. Um, I pray that it would be edifying not just for us, but for everyone listening. I pray that you would, through our words, somehow encourage people to be faithful, to just show up for the things that you've called them to, for the family, for their friends, um, and that you just encourage. A lot of us are weary right now. We need that help and that encouragement. So I pray that you would, by your spirit, provide that for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. So we met through Twitter. Like you, you was that it? I forget. Yeah, okay. that's, that's where yeah. I first heard about you on Twitter. So I, I was, I can't remember who, maybe it was Joel Miller, maybe. Oh um, yeah. So, yeah. Somebody was commenting on your book. Um, your future self will thank you, which is about, about uh, neuroscience and self-control and all that stuff. And, and you had made a comment that you'd written a book about neuroscience and you were nervous about putting the science <laughs> out there. And so I said, I got to read that. And then I like, reached out to you and said, Hey, you actually did it. You pulled it off, man. And so that's that, like, we ma- that made my, my year, I think is when <laughs> a real expert told me that I did okay with the, <laughs> with the science. <laughs> yeah, you did. And then I, I remember the first time you were supposed to be on the show, I had to cancel because I had emergency brain surgery and and you made this great tweet about how that was the best excuse to cancel a podcast you'd ever seen. I was like, oh come on. Really? Come on, you're gonna surgery. you're gonna opt for that rather than a conversation with me? I guess I'll forgive you. <laughs> I'll just remind the listeners. So you had Yawning at Tigers, which turns out to be one of my favorite books about God oh, and you. who he is and how we can really find our place our proper place in the universe by understanding who he is and and I've recommended that book to lots of people and everybody that's heard my voice talk about that. So really tremendous, great book. And then your future self will thank you. Good look at the virtue of self-control and the brain science of how we can pull that off. And then you showed up this time with a new one, just show up how small acts of faithfulness change everything. How in the world did you get to this one? Like what, what made you write this book? <laughs> oh man, I got to admit it was, it might've been a bit of a midlife crisis. Uh, I was thinking back to like, you know, when I was in my 20s going to seminary and um, back then my wife, Grace, and I were, we were pretty idealistic. We had these grandiose plans of what we were going to do for God. And and that's good. I think that's just kind of part of being younger. Um, and I remember telling her like, hey, I don't want the American dream. We don't, we, we never need to make more than 30 grand a year. Okay. And we will, we don't, we're not going to do the house in the suburbs and the 2.5 children and the white picket fence. We're going to be different. And here I am. <laughs> what, 18, 19 yeah. years later, um, with a house in the suburbs and a mortgage and a minivan and not 2.5 kids, but three. And then the question becomes like, okay, God, what does faithfulness look like when, you know, I'm not complaining. My life is great. Okay. I'm so blessed. And yet when your life turns out to be a little more ordinary than, than radical, uh, what does faithfulness look like? And then I remember too, Grace asking me like, who are the people you most admire? And as I started to list some of these folks that came to mind, I realized not one of them was like a world changer 
or famous. Yeah. Uh, you know, one was a small church pastor who had a debilitating illness and kept serving. Another person was uh, ran a soup kitchen and she kept leading after even losing her husband. And I just thought, man, it's because these people were faithful. That's why I admired them. Uh, even yeah. when life punched them in the face, they kept coming back and 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 loving and serving. And I thought, man, that's what I want. So I've kind of revised things. It's like, man, maybe I'm not going to change the world. And yet I think that we don't have to. That's God's job. We can show up and be faithful. Wow. That's exactly right. Now, what, what, what does this say to people? I think most of us have this sort of um, sense inside us that we're supposed to do something. We're supposed to be doing something big. We're supposed to be about some great mission and purpose. And how do we, how do we uh, come to grips with this idea that that may not always be the, the mission that we have? We have a difference mm-hmm. between what we're called to you broke it down in two different types of calling. I think maybe talk about that before we get into the show, before we get into the conversation. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to start, I think. Yeah, and I think it's a particular challenge these days because you go online, you know, you go on Twitter, or Instagram, especially, and you see people doing these amazing things, and it seems like they're blowing up overnight and having all this success or impact or influence. Yeah. And sometimes it can be a little, you know, discouraging because you look at your own life and go, "God, did I miss the boat? Like, what, what's going on here?" <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and so I, I talk about kind of two. Well, it's really categories that theologians use when they talk about calling. You know, as Christians, we have a common calling, and that is, you know, love the Lord your God, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, those kind of commands that are for every Christian. You can't go like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I don't really want to love my neighbor. That's not for me. No, that's part of your common yeah. calling. We're all we're all supposed to do that. Then there's your particular calling, and that is like, okay, where are you, what are you supposed to do for a career? Um, are you supposed to get married? Uh, to whom? Uh, those kind of questions. And the particular calling, I think, is the one we get weird about. Like, we really stress out about it. And growing up in the church, I heard some pretty funky advice about that. It's like, okay, you got to, like, you know, look for signs, you know, here and there. And if if you sin too much or you do the wrong sin, maybe you'll miss it. And (laughs) all these kind of scary things, right? Um, It's a very mysterious kind of thing. And listen, God can miraculously guide people. I'm not discounting that. But for the most part, it's a little more ordinary and prosaic, I think, in the way in which God leads us. And here's, here's what I believe. As you live out that common calling, the, the, you know, just the obedience to God, the, the daily faithfulness, your particular calling has a way of becoming clear. And so, you know, in the book, I got a chapter title. It's like, find God's will to your feet. Okay. If you just start yeah, moving, do the next thing in front of you. Often, like when I look back at my life, it's like, even if it's a small step towards something that you feel an inner tug to do, something that you feel God's leading you into, then that will actually lead to other things and God kind of lights the path in front of you. So that's kind of freeing because sometimes instead of kind of obsessing over the big picture and going, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to do with my life? Um, just focus on the very next thing, be faithful and God will guide you. I love that. In fact, I think one of my favorite lines in the whole book, I'm going to read it to you. One of my favorite little paragraphs here, when you're grounded in the unshakable promises of God, you can walk through the storm. You know that even if no one sees what you're doing, God does. You endure hardship in the present because you believe God will reward you in the future. You keep walking because you know that even when you stumble, God has promised to catch you. And then here's the line, my favorite line in the whole book. Living by faith isn't easy, but it frees you from the tyranny of your feelings and changing circumstances. Man, you, I love that so much. Thank you. Thank you. I was preaching myself there. (laughs) Sometimes it can be, you know, what we do as humans, we kind of look around and go, okay, how are things going? And you want 
you know, immediate payoff. You want things to happen quickly rather than slowly. And so that's the challenge is to be able to like just have sort of a daily focus and go, God, what do you want me to do today? And then I'm going to abandon the outcomes to you. And here's the thing. God can change the world through people. In fact, that's often how it works is through people that are kind of plotters that are ordinarily faithful over time. He uses that in amazing ways, but it's not our business to kind of control the outcomes. That's, that's the difficult thing. If we can just show up and be faithful, um, that that's, I think all we're called to do. And that's freeing. Honestly, it's a little bit, a little bit liberating (laughs) instead of carrying that kind of burden that you have to do something that's truly dramatic or amazing, um, or change the world instead. Let's leave that to God. What would you say to people? Some of the listeners of the show are older folks. They're, they're, you know, seventies, eighties, they've retired and and they may have a sense that uh, maybe maybe I don't have purpose anymore. Maybe there's nothing left for me to do. Like, what do you say to that guy or that lady that's listening? I've had some of these conversations with people. Um, I had, I remember, uh, you know, even talking to my mom, she, my parents were uh, in ministry. My dad was a pastor and he was forced into early retirement because he got Parkinson's disease. Um, and so he had to retire at, I think, 60, 59, 60, which is pretty early for a pastor. Wow, um, yeah. And I remember one point she said to me, she's like, Drew, I feel like God's put us on the shelf. You know, it's like, and I think a lot of people feel like that, uh, what, you know, regardless of their life stage. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, in the book, I talk a lot about Moses. The, you know, he's he starts out, you know, pretty good. He's got the fancy Egyptian education. He's going to be a liberator of his people. He thinks so. And then bang, he lands in the wilderness for 40 years, (laughs) tending sheep. Um, And I just love that story because I'd imagine that Moses must have had some questions for God during that time. Uh, And yet God was using that, that stage of life uh, to prepare him, I think, for what was next. He was humbling him. He was leading, you know, conditioning him to be the kind of leader he needed to be. And so that's something that I've kept in mind when it's like a harder, discouraging season is, is to keep being faithful, knowing that God is using all the setbacks, the frustrations, uh, to, to prepare you for what's next. And I think that's true regardless of what stage of life, of life you're at. Yeah. Another thing I encourage people, especially like if you're, if you are, say, in that retirement, uh, phase of life, I know a lot of people, it's like, man, their kids leave and they go, what am I if I'm not a mom, a dad, a provider, whatever it is? And it's this kind of shake up your, your identity and you go, what now? And the, the most simple thing I think we can do is look around and, and try to see the needs around you. That's often how God leads us into new, to new areas, new callings. Um, cause if we can start to meet those needs, it's amazing what can happen through that. And sometimes we're so focused on some big picture thing that we miss the needs right in front of us. Like one other story I tell in the book is like, um, my, my son, who's almost 12, is hanging out with some neighborhood kids and they came from families that were a little rougher. The, Parents didn't seem to pay much attention to them. They kind of let them do whatever they wanted. One of the the boys, his his dad is in jail. And I was a little worried about the influence that they were going to have on him. And I remember saying it to Grace and going like, hey, should we kind of rein that in and tell him like, okay, you can play with them, but we want it to be like in our yard and where we can see you. And I was just worried and and I felt a little sheepish for even voicing that. And she understood and she's like, yeah, I'm a little worried too, but what if we're looking at this all the wrong way? What if God has placed those kids in our neighborhood so that you could be a bit of a father figure to them and help fill in what's missing in their lives. And I was like, ouch, you know, it's always, a, it's always irritating when God speaks through your spouse. <laughs> but I think that's what was happening there. I, I was looking at things through the you know, eyes of fear. She was seeing them through the eyes of faith. And so if we wow. can look around and see the needs around us, man, it's amazing how God will lead us and open up new opportunities to bless people. 
You're exactly right. I was thinking about as I read your book, I was thinking about that particular calling idea. And sometimes that that doesn't always mean so for me, for example, Lee Warren neurosurgeon, right? Like for years of my life, as I was training and going to medical school, I thought, okay, that's my calling. I'm supposed to be a doctor. I'm supposed to be a neurosurgeon. But as, I, as I've as i evolved over time and realized and particularly found the language of it in your book is to say my call, my particular calling isn't physician neurosurgeon. It's break down complex problems, help people understand mm. why they hurt, and help them find a solution to those complex problems. And I can do that. If you cut my arms off and I can't be a neurosurgeon anymore, I can still do that here in podcasting and writing. And, and, and that's my calling. Like, I, I, And I thank you for helping me sort of finally put the language around that. I've been trying to figure out. People say, why do you write books? Why do you podcast? Why do you do brain surgery? Why, why can't you do just one thing? Why do you got to do 12 things? But they all are the same thing, Drew. Right? Does cool. that make sense to you? It does. I love that. And, well, and, and it's funny with you. You're like, uh, you know, the Dos Equis man, the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> You've got like you've had what like ten careers like what you you're in the army you're, anyway overachiever but you're right there's like a through line often isn't there like a, a common yeah. thread that unites the th- different things you've done and all of a sudden you go oh wow actually I've seen how my calling has played out in these various roles that might seem completely disconnected but once you look especially in hindsight at them you realize man there is a calling that I'm fulfilling through these different things and it's a good way to evaluate future opportunities. To go, okay, you know, can I fulfill this calling uh, that, that God's placed on my life through this new opportunity? So, yeah, no, that, that, that's great. I love it. I want one story that you told in the book that I want you just to tell here, maybe, and, and the things that you learn from it. You tell this beautiful story of something your brother did for you that mm-hmm. at first seemed like he was getting you to help him do something. And it was just a beautiful kind of story. And it helps us to see this idea of showing up. Like, talk, talk about your brother for sure. Yeah. He's a great guy. I'm so grateful for him. Um, so I have an anxiety disorder. You know, sometimes it's better than others. Uh, but this was a couple of years ago, and I was at a particularly low point with it. And uh, I was in the middle of, I remember it was close to Christmas. And I, I'd been having a hard time sleeping, pacing around the house. And, uh, and of course, I'm a guy, so I'm not going to tell anyone. <laughs> I'm like too proud. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but uh, Grace texts my brother and says, you know, Drew's not doing so good. And he, he texts me and says, hey, man, I'm picking you up in half an hour. He comes to the house. I get in his car, and he tells me his plan. He's like, we're going to go buy some jackets and hand them out downtown to homeless folks. And, um, so we went to Costco, loaded up on all these coats and spent the evening doing that. And I realized though, I mean, yes, we were helping some homeless people (laughs) stay warm, but honestly, I think his little mission was more about helping me, uh, because he knew I was in a bad place and it was exactly what I needed. Like I needed to get out of the house for one. Uh, this was still kind of towards the end of COVID and I'd been cooped up too much which isn't good when, when it comes to mental health. I needed to think about other people's problems, you know, frankly, who had bigger problems than, than mine. Um, and so it was exactly what I needed. And it just, you know, it kind of underscores the theme of this book, which is just showing up for people, literally, physically. Um, you know, he could have just, you know, sent me a message or something, but had he not come to my house physically that night and gotten me, um, it, it wouldn't have been nearly as good. And so I think sometimes, you know, we, we, we see people in pain, or people that need our help and we want to do something, but we don't know what to say. And we think, oh man, yeah, maybe you can just send them a message or leave a broken heart emoji on their Facebook page. <laughs> but there's nothing better than physical presence, being there for someone. Um, and something else I say in the book, like you may or may not remember what people say to you in the hardest times of your life, but you will remember who is there, who actually showed up That's physically right. for you. 
And that's why really, I mean, Jesus didn't just write a message in the sky to us and repent and turn around. He came down here and showed up and, and lived among us. And he talked about that really beautifully in the book about how Jesus, he showed up. Amen. Yeah. And as Christians, like you, we're people of the incarnation. So yeah, Jesus came to earth to, to show us how to love each other. Um, and even in his ministry, you see this so clearly, right? He wasn't, he wasn't an ivory tower dude, right? He didn't, he didn't just sit around writing books like us. No, he, he, he was with the people like they, and even when he was teaching them, they were like pressing up against him and he was touching them and kids sat on his lap and prostitutes anointed his feet and he healed disfigured limbs. Wow. That's awesome. And so we, we can debate about what Jesus would say or do if he was on earth today. But I think there's one thing we can't doubt and that is he'd be with people. And so as followers of him, man, we got to do the same. Absolutely. That's right. Talk about plotting. for. I love how you talk about your dad and his story and and how sometimes it's not this big dramatic thing that happens in your life. It's just this daily act of of doing the thing and showing up and serving. And your dad's a great example of that. Yeah. No, I I think, you know, it's funny, plotting, not exactly the sexiest word, but I think it's so important. And it was, yeah, this story that I grew up with. My dad, he was felt called to the ministry and was in high school. Not not so great with academics, really struggled. Um, and then he goes to Bible college because he had to to get ordained in his denomination. And he just had a heck of a time, just really poor grades. Every summer, <laughs> the the school would send him in this letter, politely basically saying, don't come back. Uh, and he'd cry, he'd pray. Oh, wow. and Yeah, it was, it was really discouraging. And he would then he'd show up in the fall um, and he just kept doing that. And then last year of his school, he his grades got just high enough to enable him to graduate. And my dad was an awesome pastor. Just incredible. Um, you know, he just loved people. He, he planted churches. He started a soup kitchen. He did all these amazing things. In his first pastorate, he went and I remember he was, um, I, I don't remember. I remember the story because I was too young, but he made a goal of, of visiting every house in town. And that's what he did. Yeah. He just go door to door. He did chores with people. He was just awesome that way. And I think that was partly because He'd had all those academic challenges, which had been such a struggle for him. So he was used to doing those hard things. He was used to that kind of plodding, uh, you know, perseverance that he had developed, that God had developed in him through his struggles. And so I think sometimes we see, you know, the past challenges we've had as an impediment to maybe what God's calling us to do, but they can actually help us. They can actually condition us into the kind of people that can fulfill our calling. Um, and so, yeah, again, you know, going back to the idea of like, man, steady faithfulness, uh, things don't happen overnight. Don't get discouraged. Just keep showing up every day and commit to being a plotter, even though it's not too sexy. Ultimately, I think yeah. that's, that's what makes life meaningful. Interesting. You know, it's, it's funny how the more we learn about the brain and the neuroscience of, of how God made us, the more we understand why he tells us in the Bible to do some of the things that, that he tells us. And I just read a paper about this part of your brain called the medial anterior cingulate cortex, a little part down in the middle of your brain. And it's the part that's involved in willpower <sighs> and resilience and those kinds of things. And if you, it, it, they found in this research that they did that if you, if you force yourself to do something that you don't want to do, that your brain then begins to rewire and it becomes easier for you to do hard things oh, more automatically in the future. So, so making yourself show up, making yourself oh. overcome that social resistance and all those things, you actually get neurochemically better at doing it the next time. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. And why could you have told me that before I wrote my self-control book? <laughs> I would have put it in there. <laughs> Maybe for the, for the reprint. Uh, oh, I love that. Yeah. And what's the thing that, you know, um, 
neurons that that fire together, wire together, fire right? Together, right? And so, yeah, it, and you, it does make sense of a lot of things God commands us to do and to do consistently. That's the key, right? Is to, to be consistent. So it kind of wears that that groove in your brain, and it, like you said, becomes easier. Very interesting. That's right. Hey, tell us about your son Athanasius for a second. I love that story. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a big big name we gave him. Um, I remember I was in seminary when. Um, I was studying Athanasius. You know, he's, he's a fourth century saint. He's a guy who stood up at the Council of Nicaea and argued yep. passionately for the divinity of Christ and, and it kind of carried the day. Anyway, and so I'm studying about this guy and I say to my wife, Grace, I'm like, man, if we ever have a son, I want to name him Athanasius. And she's like, Athel, what? <laughs> and so, yeah. and lo and behold, years later when we had Athanasius, that's what we named him. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny because in, in the book I talk about roles and how roles sometimes get a bad rap, right? Like, um, and yet like names, we kind of grow into them. Like, I hope my son, I, who knows, I don't know if he'll become a great defender of the faith. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but we gave him that name because, Hey, we want you to have a passion for truth. We want you to be yep. stubborn for the right causes. Uh, cause yeah, the original Athanasius was incredibly stubborn. And as it so happens, my son is very stubborn too. Sometimes it's good. That's sometimes good. it's bad. Uh, anyway, but, um, yeah, in, it's interesting. I think we live in a time where we place such a, a high premium on authenticity and just being able to like, okay, say whatever's going on in your life, which is fine. But there is a flip side of that where sometimes you have a role and you actually need to put your feelings aside and perform the role because people are counting on you. People need you. And when you perform that role, it becomes a way of blessing and encouraging and helping people. Um, and the example I gave in the book, <laughs> I feel bad. I didn't use any names, but at one point we were in, in the hospital. Grace was having a minor surgery. It was, it was, um, it wasn't that big a deal in retrospect, but at the time we were a little shaken and one of the pastors from our church came to visit us. He comes into the room, plops down beside her bed and he just looks at the floor and he's like, guys, I don't know if I'm cut out to be a pastor. Things aren't going so well at the church. Uh, and he just starts airing all the problems that the church is having. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I would have had that conversation with him. No problem. But I'm like, dude, we need a man of God here. We need someone to come and pray over us and reassure us and, you know, in that capacity. And he was being very authentic, but what we needed was for him to perform that role uh, uh, for us. And so it was just a good lesson for me that sometimes, man, you need to put on your big boy pants and go, I'm going to perform this role. Even if I'm not feeling it today, even if my heart isn't in it, I'm going to show up for this person and and see how God uses that. That's great. I love the one little, the one little line about your son when he was arguing with your daughter and he says, Hey, don't argue with me. I'm named after a famous Christian. And what did you say to him? <laughs> I bet, yeah, they were having some argument. I don't know what it was about. Yeah, I was named after a very important Christian, he said to her. And and then I said, uh, but are you sure you want to play that card on your sister, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, he, he even laughed at that because, uh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so who do you, sort of, as you're writing a book, I don't know if you do this or not, but I always try to have sort of a, like, who am I writing this for? Like, who's the ideal person in your mind when you put this book together? Like, who are you writing this for? Hmm. Well, I think you're you're nicer than me because you're thinking of someone else. I'm like writing to myself. I think. <laughs> um, no, but I, I, you know, it's. I think it's the kind of actually, it's the person. Maybe in in my phase of life, you know, you're not you're not a spring chicken anymore, but you're a little bit into it, or maybe a lot into it. And maybe you've hit some walls and you've been a little discouraged and you've had some setbacks and some trials. Um, and you kind of need that encouragement that, man, God, how do I be faithful? Uh, and, and honestly, part of it was kind of like lowering the bar a little bit. Like, you know, when I talk about spiritual disciplines and stuff, 
you know, instead of going, okay, you got to read through the Bible every year, or master a, a spiritual discipline with a Latin name, just crack your, open your Bible, you know, just, yeah. just go to someone's house, even if you don't know what to say when they're hurting. Um, just do the next thing in front of you, even if you don't know where you're going as far as your vocation. Uh, and so I've just, that's something I've found kind of liberating and effective in my own life. And so I was hoping that for people like me in that stage where you have more responsibilities and bandwidth, uh, that can be something that kind of goes, oh, this is doable. I can live a faithful life even when I don't have the energy I used to um, and I, even if I don't know exactly where I'm going. So I do hope it encourages people and inspires them to keep plotting. Keep plotting. That's beautiful. You did a great job, Drew. That's three books of yours that I've read now, and they just keep getting better. So oh, thank what you. are you working on now? Nothing, man. Nothing. I I, <laughs> I tell writers, don't be like me. Like, I'll write a book, like, and then I'll go, okay, well, let's see if anyone reads it. Other than mom, of course. She's got to read it, right? But anyone other than mom That's is right. going to read this thing. And then I go, okay, let's see how it does. And then a couple of years later, I'm like, hmm, maybe I should do another book. And then I, anyway, so I got nothing cooking right now, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, um, yeah, it's, but it's an honor. You know, it's, it's funny. The, we're in such a visually dom dominated time. And so sometimes it can feel a little antiquated writing books, but I do believe that God's still changing people through the medium of the written word. Cause I think of my own spiritual journey and how I've been impacted by books at various junctures of my life. And so I do feel honored to be able to, to do that every few years, put a book out there and, and hope that it connects with people. Well, let me just tell you, I mean, as I said earlier, like even in my life, I'm 54 years old and, and I found language in your words to understand something about myself and my life that I hadn't been able to quite put my finger on. So I think that's mm. you're right. It's it's super important that, that when God nudges you, that you put that out there and, and you did a great job. And I'm grateful that you that you wrote it and that you took the time to tell us about it today, Drew. Thank you. That means a lot coming from you because I'm reading a really good book right now. Hope is the first dose. I know you've already mentioned it, of course, <laughs> many times, but it is an excellent, excellent book. I, I appreciate so it. Hey, where can people get a hold of you to find out more about you, Drew? Yeah, I got a website. It's just my name, drewdick.com. D-Y-C-K is my last name. And you can you know, see a, uh, some pictures, some cheesy pictures of me and the fam. You can read a yep. chapter of this book for free. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Well, what's it called now? X, right? Uh, X. X.com. Yeah, that doesn't roll off the tongue as well, but I'm on there too much. So if you want to connect with me there, I'll be making my dumb dad jokes. Or if you want to come by and hang out, I'm in the Pacific Northwest, just north of Portland, Oregon. And we can go grab a coffee and go to Powell's, the best bookstore in the world. Outstanding. <laughs> we have a, a listener named Marnay who's going to hear this episode. I'm sure she's in the Columbia River. George oh, yes. Area, That's just uh, up the road an hour or so. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. We hear from Marnay all the time. So shout out to our friends in Oregon up there. And Drew, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and have you on the show. And God bless you and your family, my friend. And Thank you. Appreciate it. I really do. This has been fun. It's awesome. Good to see you. Awesome. Hey, good job. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you. Wasn't that a great talk? I love talking to Drew Dick. He's written some great books. You should check him out, drewdick.com. It's D-Y-C-K, Drew, D-Y-C-K.com. Love this guy. Love everything he writes. And I think his book, Just Show Up, might be just the thing you need here on Mind Change Monday. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And sometimes you just need to show up. And the good news about that is you can start today. <laughs>
Hey, thanks for listening. The Dr. Lee Warren Podcast is brought to you by my brand new book, Hope is the First Dose. It's a treatment plan for recovering from trauma, tragedy, and other massive things. It's available everywhere books are sold, and I narrated the audio books. Hey, the theme music for the show is Get Up by my friend Tommy Walker, available for free at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. They are supplying worship resources for worshipers all over the world to worship the Most High God. And if you're interested in learning more, check out TommyWalkerMinistries.org. If you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer, WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer, and go to my website and sign up for the newsletter, Self Brain Surgery, every Sunday since 2014, helping people in all 50 states and 60-plus countries around the world. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'll talk to you soon. Remember, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today.